0: This is Shona Thompson filling in for Bill Kelly. On the podcast today, Dr. Rodney Rohde of Texas State University with a look at the new guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention about shortened limits for isolation and quarantine roughly from 10 days down to 5, but with lots and lots of masking. Thomas Kate with Ryerson University on what may or may not happen in Ontario in light of those new guidelines, and some information is promised in particular about schooling next week. And Colin James, musician extraordinaire on his latest album open road and fingers crossed a canadian tour scheduled to start in late february with stops in hamilton and kitchener this is the bill kelly podcast and it's starting right now
1: today on the bill kelly show on
2: 900 chml
0: Joining us to give us some insight on the CDC recommendations and a new study suggesting that Omicron infection may enhance immunity against the Delta variant and more is Dr. Rodney Rohde, professor and chair of the Clinical Laboratory Science Program at the College of Health Professionals at Texas State University. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good morning, Shona. It's always a pleasure to join you guys and I hope Bill's getting a well-deserved break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does deserve it. So what is the CDC saying?
1: So as you stated and as most people hopefully are finding out and learning today, the CDC has made a pretty a pretty big change in their recommendation for isolation and quarantine. The biggest part of that is that in the general public now, individuals with COVID-19, so they've actually been diagnosed with COVID-19, can isolate for five days if they're asymptomatic down from the usual 10 days. And then after that first five days, there's they are to wear a well-fitted mask for the following five days. And then there's some other recommendations there. If you'd like to talk about them that kind of stratifies that uh, around your booster and vaccination status.
0: I would very much like to talk about
1: okay, that. Great. So first of all, uh, and as a medical laboratory scientist and a public health professional, uh, from what I understand and all the research I've looked at, and I agree with this, it appears that uh, the recommendations have changed because what we're seeing now is that the virus um, and those types of transmission uh, possibilities occur right after the course of illness. So early in the course of illness, like one to two days prior to you having symptoms, which we typically refer to as the incubation stage, and then two or three days after that. So that's kind of where that five days comes from if people are wondering Now, I don't think anyone is here to say that it is a 0% possibility after those five days that you can't transmit, but it's very, very low. And that's why the mask recommendation is there for those second five days primarily. If uh, you start looking at the other comments, they also cut their quarantine time following exposures, but this is where it gets a little complicated, so I would recommend people definitely look at the CDC website or look at other articles that define this. And so if you're exposed, it's kind of stratified by vaccination status. So if you are boosted, you do not have to quarantine at all if you've been exposed, but they are always going to recommend you wear a well-fitting mask for 10 days after that exposure. If you are unvaccinated or more than six months out from that second mRNA dose or more than two months out from the J&J vaccine, and you don't have the booster yet, then you should quarantine for five days, followed by a strict mask use for the other five days. And if you're exposed and you just cannot quarantine, then it's it's imperative. And they're basically begging you to wear a well-fitted mask when around others for 10 days. Well, and, that exposure time.
0: and that's one of the things, one of the points that I think we should make. And we uh, judging by what I've seen at the grocery store, if that's in right. a margin, properly right. wearing the mask? It is not yes, under ma'am. the nose. You're doing no right. good.
1: I can't tell you how many times, Shona, that I've turned to my wife or another person and mentioned that here in the U.S. as well. It's, it's very frustrating. Uh, in fact, it's, to me, I, I've said this out loud, it's almost not worth even having it on if you're only covering your mouth. I mean, because you're breathing through both areas of your anatomy almost all the time. So please wear those masks over your nose and mouth. Please make sure they're well fitted. And really, the recommendation now is that you upgrade your mask Uh, if you if you can. uh, And I've been doing this for over a couple of months now. Is go to a KN95 um, or, or N95 mask. Although those are a little more difficult because those are primarily fitted and for healthcare. But if you haven't tried a KN or a KF94, you don't have to have them fitted, but they fit really well around your facial features. There's a lot more material in them that help them adhere to the sides of your face and around your nose. And you can even feel it when you breathe in them. It's much more uh, secure and snug. So that's going to be very helpful. And they're also just better at filtering in those aerosols and the different things that are you're breathing in.
0: Well, and and the guidance on masking, um, even if you are in isolation or in quarantine, they're saying to wear that mask at all times when you are around another person.
1: That's right. That's right. Which again, if you follow it strictly, that's exactly what they're saying, and I think you and I both understand that that may not be happening always. So that is that is going to be an ongoing public relations and trying to get people to follow those those guidelines. I try to tell everyone I talk to now and write about and speak about is that you know, you, we really have to get past this kind of outburst of information around Omicron may be a little bit milder and things like that. We hope it is, and it looks like it is, but you cannot underestimate long COVID and what it's showing now to people who even have mild infections and what could happen to you over the next month, six months, a year. So there's lots of research that is coming out. Uh, A very recent study in autopsied individuals, about 44 autopsied individuals that had COVID-19, both vaccinated and unvaccinated. And what they found was viral RNA was in multiple organs, including the brain, uh, not just your respiratory tract. So While that's still being studied, it's just showing us that we still do not understand the long-term implications, and we really should be careful with this virus.
0: Well, Doctor Rodi, that's one of the thoughts that I've had recently when watching some sporting events. Right now, the World Junior Hockey Championships are going on. Team USA um, had to forfeit a game because two of their players tested positive. We've had, um, you know, a number of problems uh, in the NBA with uh, with teams having a number of players come down and be testing positive for this disease. Um, you know, when I think about athletes, and I, and I think about the long term impact. Of uh, of long haul disease with COVID, I mean, for today's it's entertainment, scary, right? you know, the, these these athletes could be trading off the rest of their lives.
1: That's right, and, and I think that part is an, such a critical message, Shona. I, I, that's my continued plea with people: is that while you think you may be healthy and young, an athlete, a performer you You just don't know you're taking a risk, and yes, you may be fine, uh, and the risk may be small we're not sure yet, but it could it could absolutely damage your your livelihood. I was watching a cowboys and Washington football team game this past weekend, and the quarterback for the redskins oh not the Redskins anymore the Washington football team. Uh, was playing. And he had just recovered from COVID and mentioned, you know, they were talking about how he couldn't hardly make it back from the laundry room with his laundry basket. This is a supreme athlete. And so, and yet he was playing. And, you know, I have the same concerns in the U.S. Uh, Large stadiums full of people, uh, theaters, restaurants, all these things we've talked about for two years now. Um, Just be safe out there. We know the science a little better now. We do have measures to protect ourselves, but we are not completely immune from it. So please try to prevent uh, these these transmissions with this highly transmissible variant of (laughs) Omicron.
0: We are speaking with Dr. Rodney Rohde, professor and chair of the Clinical Laboratory Science Program at the College of Health Professions at Texas State University. And Dr. Rohde, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about and get a better handle on understanding, um, there has been some word that Omicron immunity is going to push out Delta?
1: Yeah, so interesting. Uh, And again, let's preface this with this is very early data out of South Africa. I've read the study uh, and there's some other others out there who have read it and commented on this, but what they saw uh, when they looked at this uh, particular information was that uh, they look at a certain number of people, and it wasn't a great amount of people. It was like, um, I think it was 30 to 40 people, but what they found was that uh, with Omicron infection, the neutralization of that increased about 14-fold over 14 days, Uh, and within that, so if you had it, you basically are are increasing your ability to neutralize not only the Omicron environment, but what else they found was that there's about a four and a half to five fold increase of Delta virus neutralization. So what that means, we hope is that due to the rapid transmission of Omicron um, and this information about those who have been infected with it, they may actually now be less likely to pick up Delta uh, especially if they've already had it. And what they're hoping is that it may, may mean we're less likely to get an infection altogether or at least be uh, severely impacted by infections going forward. So in a weird way, if this works out, and again, this is early information, uh, Mother Nature uh, may be helping us here a little bit uh, by having a variant that's rapidly transmitting but is not as hopefully dangerous to the to the majority of the public.
0: Well, and as you that mentioned, and I, I'm really glad we're specifying this, this is an initial study. It is, it is. very small, good indications, but more study needs to be needs That's to be done. Right.
1: That's right. It's early early on. Um, the other thing um, that I would just mention quickly as we have time here is that we are seeing in the u s one of the things I'm watching right now, another little topic is pediatric infections. And so I don't know if you're seeing this in in Canada right now, but we are seeing a rise in children being infected. This is probably because, and I've written about this prior in November and and before in the U S about 20% of our entire population is children and those five and under just cannot be vaccinated. So when you're out there and you're, and you're doing your daily lives, remember There are so many people still that cannot be vaccinated. They have no choice. Uh, It's not been approved. So if you're doing nothing else, um, you know, mask up, get vaccinated, get boosted, and be careful for those around you, uh, children and the immunocompromised that may not have a choice.
0: And also, um, I don't know that we can say it enough or often enough or loud enough, but being fully vaccinated and boosted is is what the focus has to be on right now.
1: Absolutely critical. If I had to pick one thing to to do, you know, if you don't do anything else, that is number one. And then please, next up on the list is be careful with, you know, and use a mask when you're in those high risk environments so that you protect yourself and others.
0: That's great information. Uh, Dr. Rohde, I really wanted to thank you for taking time uh, out of your schedule and to join us from Texas for a little bit more information on this. I think it's crucially important, especially when we seem to be in a state of flux or transition right now, uh, because we are going from um, Delta to Omicron being the dominant variant. And there there will be some Uh, conflicting guidance, as we're starting to see from the CDC. I don't mean conflicting in terms of it being controversial, but that it is changing, and it's changing with what's going on here. And we have some decisions that will be coming down the pike from the province with regards to um, uh, school potentially going back into class on January 3rd or not. Uh, A lot of those uh, pieces of information and guidance will be coming in the next couple of days. So I thank you very much for your insights on this.
1: Thank you so much, Shona, and I would totally like to thank you and your crew for letting me come on and talk about this. It is absolutely imperative that uh, the media and others that are helping us get this word out, it's sometimes complex, as we just talked about, but we all have a phone in our hands and we have the ability to look up this information and those guidelines. Do it, do it weekly, do it daily, so that you're doing the right thing for those and those around you.
0: Well, again, things uh, things are changing. They're going to continue to do so because that's what happens uh, with virus and uh, and when it uh, it mutates. You know, things will change. so it's it's easy to let your guard down at this point because we're all pretty tired and frustrated and fed yes. up with things. but that's when you have to uh, really stick to the guidance uh, more so than at any other time, I think.
1: Yeah, more so than ever. Okay, uh, We're tired, but the virus it never gets tired.
0: No, it does not. Dr. Rodney Rohde, professor and chair of the Clinical Laboratory Science Program at the College of Health Professions at Texas State University. Our guest on The Bill Kelly Show on AM 980 in London and on 900 CHML in Hamilton. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. To help us understand what might be to come is uh, Dr. Thomas Tenkate, who is a professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health with Ryerson University. Thank you so much for taking time from your holiday to speak with us this
3: morning. Uh, it's uh, great to be with you, Shauna. Thank you.
0: So the CDC says shortening the isolation and quarantining requirements and upping the masking is part of the response. It's a suggestion. It's not a mandate. So what are we to make of that?
3: Mm. Yeah, I, I think this is sort of reflecting the the aspect that, uh, you know, as we get more information, more evidence, we're, we're able to adjust the uh, the, the uh, precautions and the measures that we we say that we need to do. And so so i think you know the at this stage the the evidence is that uh if once someone is infected you know they the most of the the time when they can pass it on to someone else is is early in the in the period of of time that when they're sick and so so i think this is uh this is also reflect, so this is reflecting that, that aspect that, uh, you know, you're most infectious at the early stages and, and it drops off after, you know, after at least five days. And, and, you know, one of the things is, you know, that once you talk, we also have to think, remember that this is a, this is sort of a, like a median number versus you know so so some people can be shorter and other people can be longer and so so i think that's why you know we've we've always sort of said that you know it it, it could be up to 14 days that you're 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 uh, infectious and so so but generally it's around five days so so the whereas previously with uh, you know we've sort of said try and you know it's, you know stay at home for as long as possible you know you know 10 days to 14 days in that in that range uh, but I think you know, with the with the rollout of more uh, of the rapid testing, and uh, I think people's acceptance of mask wearing, you know, th- there there are other measures that can supplement to to in, you know reduce that uh, reduce that uh, incubi- or the quarantine or isolation period.
0: Well, part of the uh, suggestion and guidance coming from the CDC uh, says, uh, you know, from the the time the clock starts ticking on that five days, either in isolation or in quarantine, is from the time of testing or the time that you believe an exposure has happened. But one of the problems that we're experiencing here in Ontario is people are trying to get tested, and they they either can't get a test, even a rapid antigen test, um, or they can't get the results fast enough because there's a lag because there are so many tests that are being
3: done, yeah, yeah definitely. The, the, the you know the the time period that we're talking about doesn't line up, uh, you know, with when you when you're actually in sort of infectious. So in, in a lot of ways, the the five days from when you have a positive test, uh, or if you um, you've been advised that you've been a contact of a of a case, is actually you know uh, a bit more of a buffer than the the sort of five days around when you. Uh, First, uh, are infected. So, so there's still sort of you would say there's a buffer in that in that time timing as well. Uh, but, but obviously, uh, you, you know, delays in testing uh, sort of mean that uh, in some ways this sort of uh, requirement or this sort of recommendation is is also difficult to implement as well.
0: So, is it um, is it a good idea for you to just if you think you've been exposed to just govern yourself as though you have been?
3: Yeah, like, like definitely if you, you know, if if you think you've got some, feel some symptoms coming on or if you uh, feel that you've, you know, they're, they're, if there's some rumours of, you know, potentially being exposed to someone, then then definitely, you know, I- isolate as best as you can. Uh, and, you know, and, and you know, the, the CDC is saying, you know, wear your mask, you know, at home around other people. And, and I think, you know, what, whatever you can do at the moment to, to try and, you uh, Reduce transmission to other people whether or not that's in your household or or outside is 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 the way to go and and so so i think you know what we we're in this situation because it's so so easily transmitted uh you know this current the current variant you you've, you've really got to think about like anyone you come in contact with could be infectious or or you could actually be infectious as well so so if you think of it that way, really sort of mask wearing and the, the best mask you can wear as well as uh, the, the keeping the distance is, uh, uh, you know, measures that everyone can take, uh, even even if there's sort of delays in, in testing.
0: We're speaking with uh, Thomas Tenkate, who is a professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. Um, do you have any ideas of what might be in store in Ontario or what the province might be announcing? Is it even fair to ask you that at this point? Oh.
3: Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to really know. I, you know, my sense is that, you know, given the numbers of uh, cases that we're seeing, uh, you know, until we start to see a, a drop and, and whereas the last few days, you know, in regard to the, the case numbers, there, there, they have been dropping. So, so you never know whether or not that's a, a trend that will continue or not. But, but, you know, I think that, you know, it, a lot of it gets down to resourcing and, and uh, you know, sort of, ability to sort of you know follow up on cases but also to uh, to provide tests and 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 so in a lot of ways you probably have to sort of say well test or no test let's just if someone feels that they've got some symptoms like cold like symptoms you know let's just assume that they have it have COVID and and treat someone in that in that way and so so in some ways I think that you we might see the, the government sort of easing off some of the restrictions from the perspective, of, or, or some of the requirements from the perspective of saying let's just treat everyone as you know either infected or potentially infected, uh, and because otherwise it, it uh, you know having the, re- the the testing requirements and and the and we're seeing the the issues with with getting the tests uh, done and you know the, the delays in that uh, are, are sort of meaning that it's it's not as it's not as helpful so so maybe you know my sense is that we might be going back to something that's sort of like non test related in regard to sort of the recommendations
0: Can we talk a little bit about long-term care homes uh, in the province of Ontario? There's been a change in uh, the guidance with regards to visitation, um, and there are some uh, new potential guidelines with regards to uh, workers who may be fully vaccinated but may have uh, been exposed as well. Can we start with uh, some of the changes in uh, in, uh, general visitation at long-term care homes?
3: Yeah, yeah, de- like definitely. I think you know what what we're seeing with the with the uh, restrictions on on uh, visit visitation and uh, uh, restrictions around uh, care. Uh, well, I think caregivers are still able to go, but but sort of general visitation is is uh, stopped for the moment. Uh, and and it's really you know and it's really around trying to minimise contact uh, with <clears throat> from people outside of the care home with people in the care home, but also saying. You know that uh, people who are workers at the care care homes uh, are likely to be uh, infected quite easily, and and so so re- really it's it's sort of saying how can we sort of stop this the transmission as much as we can, given that it's it's so easily transmitted and so so i think you know that that's that's where some of the thinking is coming from and 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 you know when 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 you look at the also the the hospital numbers and uh and icu numbers what what we're seeing is that uh, you know fully vaccinated or what was two doses is really not stopping people uh getting sick or getting into hospital but it is stopping uh is stopping getting into icu so so it really means that like I think we have to remember now that fully vaccinated is actually equaling people having the booster shot, and so if you only have two doses or or one dose, you're you're really at as n- nearly at the same level of risk as someone who is is unvaccinated. So 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 again, the you know vaccination and, and getting boosters is is a really critical piece in the whole puzzle. But uh, but definitely you know uh, anyone who might have contact with someone in an aged care home need, needs to really have their booster uh, at, at a minimum now.
0: Well, uh, Long-Term Care Minister Rod Phillips, in announcing uh, these changes, which come into effect, I believe, at midnight tonight, but we have a family member in Long-Term Care we're just taking it as the rule for right now. I think the sooner you put that into uh, mm. effect, the, the safer it is for your loved one. Um, but he was saying that 41 long term care homes were experiencing COVID 19 outbreaks as of yesterday, up from 37 the previous day. But to balance that off, and I think this is really important, while 93 residents and 161 staff have tested positive for COVID 19, none are hospitalized.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, I think, you know, if, you know, and I've sort of said it before, to uh, on, maybe on this show or other shows that that I think you know when we think about the history of of pandemics and 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 where we are with this pandemic, we're, we're actually uh, really in the sort of in essence the last sort of stages of it because traditionally the pandemics will will be the the virus mutates into a form that. Is very easily transmitted, but doesn't make people as sick, and so so we're really seeing that. And so so if there is a silver lining, that that's the silver lining in this. And I think uh, we we've just got to sort of uh, you know do what we can to uh, you know prevent uh, the most uh, at risk, most vulnerable people from from getting sick right at the moment. And if we can get through this phase, I think we're uh, we're, we're you know we're in a, in a good place.
0: Oh, well, Professor Tanquet, I I keep hearing that that this. Is showing indications and signs. I know this virus has behaved in ways that I think um, we haven't really seen before. With mm. um, how aggressive it's been um, and uh, how contagious it's been, and how it has um, is mutated. I'm really hoping that you're right.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping I'm right too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, you, like you say, is there, there's. Uh, Yeah, who knows but 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 again this is this also gets down to uh you know because it's a pandemic and and we're dealing with you know you know every country in the world we you know what all we you know we you never know what will happen in another country that may not have the uh you know same level of vaccination status you know uh the the v- virus is 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 uh, mutating and you know there's there's lots and lots of variants and and so so you know one of the things is you know we've also got to remember that if we don't help out other countries that that be not able to help themselves as as much as we can do here then that also makes us still vulnerable and, and perpetuates the the pandemic as well so so there there's some other other aspects to it as well.
0: Well, further to that, though, and building on that a little bit, from what I've been reading, um, the fact that this variant, Omicron, seems to have come out of parts of the world that had lower vaccination rates, um, that they are hopeful that this is an indicator that things are evolving the way you have suggested. And again, a suggestion.
3: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: And that because it was able to spread so quickly in an unvaccinated, largely unvaccinated, Vaccinated population, um, that 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 is another positive sign.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I think uh, you know, when you also think that uh, with the you know people who who become. Uh, infected you know then then have a level of immunity as well because you know the vaccination is is one way of trying to gain immunity but uh if you become infected you know you you will develop immunity as well you know i think you know in in a lot of those countries that uh you know that what they're hoping is that uh you know the the much more easily transmission tr- transmission of the virus through through the community uh, is 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 building that herd immunity that they don't need to through through vaccination. But uh, it, it's you know it's it's uh, obviously you know if if we can we we're trying to stop people getting sick and and getting getting into hospital. So uh, you know that's that's you know, if we can do that that's what we what we really want to do.
0: Well, we've been hearing about uh, people hoping for herd immunity almost since the beginning of COVID-19, you know, some, what, 20, 22 months ago. But I have a feeling that the clinical definition of herd immunity and what it means to a layperson, they may be two different things.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and I and I think you know we the reality is we you know we probably don't know exactly what the level of herd immunity is that we need, uh, and you know I think you know we've heard we've seen that uh, you know the different variants, uh, different people have come out with different levels of uh, herd immunity. Uh, ultimately, you know what we're trying to say is you know the more people who ha- who are immune to it versus the less pe- the versus the people who aren't immune, then that that protects everyone, and so so we we've, we've got to try and you know raise that that level of of immunity within the community as as much as possible uh, through whatever means we can.
0: Um, just in the few minutes that we have left, I'm wondering what you hope to hear from the province in the latter part of this week.
3: Oh, yeah, well, well. In, in some ways, as, as you know, as a parent who has kids going to school, I'd, I'd like to think that, that they'll still go to school, uh, I, you know, face to face. But uh, I'm you know I'm not sure uh, about that. That's that's still my sense of fifty fifty uh, uh, in regard to you know kids going back to school. Uh, my sense is that they probably will. Uh, Sort of say, well, let's uh, let's hold off for a few weeks, maybe until the end of January, and then then you know re- rethink after that. Uh, f- from from a school perspective, in regard to in regard to the you know various restrictions, my sense is that that uh, they might sort of start to uh, reduce the capacity limits again and. Um, uh, and and just really sort of emphasise uh, you know this I- isolation uh, and, and quarantine for for whether or not you you're able to get a test or not to to really sort of stay home if you if you if you're sick. So so they're they're some of the things that I think that they're going to be uh, you know are, are on the cards.
0: And bottom line, make sure you're boosted. Make sure you wear that mask and wear it properly.
3: Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, you know, and, and I think you know, I, I see a lot of people wearing masks and and wearing masks sort of not not very very uh, you know not fitted very well. And 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 really, if you know, if to get the best value and the best benefit out of the mask, it has to be you know quite quite tight tight fitted and uh, and and uh, you know quite a lot of layers. And so so obviously you know those two factors make it difficult to breathe through. But but you know that. The flip side is that that then you know a, a tight fitting mask that is has quite a number of layers is going to provide you the best protection. So so you know I think you know if you're going to wear a mask, let's wear the best mask we can and, and wear wear it uh, as you know in the best in, in the most appropriate way as, as, as well.
0: Well, I wanted to thank you for your time, especially taking time during this holiday period between Christmas and New Year's. It's always very much appreciated. But certainly with this evolving situation, it's important to get out the information that we can as quickly as we can. So again, thank you very much for your time.
3: Uh, It's my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Thomas Kate is professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health with Ryerson University.
3: You're listening to the Bill
0: Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Canadian recording artist Colin James, he's booked a tour starting in late February that will go across Canada. The closest date to London is Kitchener Centre in the Square on the 23rd and uh, he'll be here in Hamilton at First Ontario Centre Concert Hall on the 24th fingers crossed uh colin james joining the show right now i'm so thrilled to speak to you
2: awesome how are
0: you i'm doing well and i'm really glad to uh to not only hear your 20th album but you know fingers crossed you're going to be on tour in late february
2: yeah you know i mean uh, obviously all of us are on pins and needles about that and uh, really hoping it goes forward you know we we did some shows before uh before the um, before Christmas uh, in a trio format, and it was just so great to get out there and start playing again. You know, it felt really uh, medicinal.
0: <laughs> I like that term. i <laughs> really it fits it for both the performer and the audience member. I have to say, uh, tour- I imagine yeah. touring and playing live has been a li- a bit like stop and go traffic for the last uh, twenty months or so. Um, so- oh yeah. It must it must be incredibly tough to try and plan it
2: it's really hard there's so many people involved from my agent to my manager to uh, live nation um, you know and uh, you know we've got so used to getting the brakes put on I'm really hoping that this time it'll be different and uh, we can sort this out and get you get it done you know Um because uh, right after that, we start with Buddy Guy through the States on 19 shows. Uh, I was really looking forward to getting uh, a bunch of shows under our belt and being tight as a tick by the time we hit Los Angeles. Because uh, we have a day off between Vancouver and, uh, and Los Angeles. And uh, You know, I, I, I like to think it's all going to go. I'm going to try to think positive.
0: Absolutely. I have followed your career really from the, the first album back in the late 80s. We won't get too specific about dates there for both of our benefits um, <laughs> but what I'm hearing on open road is a real progression in your music
2: yeah I mean it was a difficult record just because of obvious reasons you know I couldn't get together with people like I usually do usually I, I'll take a trip to Hamilton to write with my good friend Tom Wilson and then I'll carry on down to Nashville and uh, you know uh, different places and write with with friends and, and that was impossible you know, we tried to do the uh, Zoom writing, and I, I, I'm not really a big fan of that. There's something about being in the room with everybody that 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 you know really makes it worthwhile. But we did it. Uh, my producer was in England, and we had to do it all over Zoom and through different softwares that allowed us to listen to the same thing at the same time. And um, you know, we made it, we made it work. And I gotta say, I'm 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 happy with it. You know, you go through all kinds of stages with a record. And, from being excited about it to never wanting to hear it again um, to when it finally comes out, you kind of get a rebirth and, and uh, you get that excitement back, you know. So uh, we're having a great time with it, you know. It's uh, uh, I have usually make a record every two years. This time it took about two and a half to three years to get this one out. and uh, I don't like that. I like to get it out every two years, but that was the way it went.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned Tom Wilson in Track 7 is Leave This House, co-written by Tom. I'm uh, being positive here, when you play on the twenty fourth of February here in Hamilton, is there a chance you might have a special guest?
2: Well, you never know. I mean uh, uh, you know shows are uh, shows are funny that way because you you, you kind of get your rhythm we're, we're starting in Kingston and uh, you really gotta you don't you don't have a whole lot of time to get the rhythm of a show together. Um, like this last time we went out, I have a new I have a new member of the band from uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, we only had four days to rehearse in front of this last go. And boy, we had a good time. Uh, uh, he's an excellent player. Anders Drerup is his name. He was on The Voice in 2020. Um, but uh, uh, a hell of a player, a great singer. And, uh, you know, we're, we're rehearsing out East right before the, uh, right before the tour. So uh, got to get the show in order first, but yeah, maybe.
0: Um, now I know the, the first single came out in August down on the bottom, which is a Bob Dylan tune. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, you know, this really could be an anthem for what we have all been going through for the last couple of years.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think everyone can relate to uh, The Last Drop of the Cup, you know. Uh, uh, late, unfortunately, for the last couple of years, it's been uh, glass half empty for, for for most of us. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a cool song. And, you know, Dylan never recorded it. It was recorded by... by um, uh, Jim James, uh, well, it was it was that the new Basement Tapes. So uh, a bunch of different artists collaborated on bringing written but un but not put to music songs of Dylan together. So it was shown to me, and um, it's probably the rocketest as far as you know contemporary music on the record is concerned. But I'm really you know I I, I really try to make a, a record a, a soundscape you know and a and a, and a journey. And uh, I, I'm pretty happy with the way this goes. You know, I, didn't, I wanted to show some growth and not just play traditional blues on this one. Um, so Raging River that I wrote with Colin Linden and Leave This House with Tom and uh, uh, certain songs like that, uh, you know, take it out of the traditional blues format. And uh, I like that.
0: I do, too. And, um, you know, it, it also pays uh, great respect to your rock roots as well. And it's yeah. it, while it's a blues album, it's, it's positive as well
2: yeah um you know uh it it was (laughs) i have to go on again about how how difficult making it was just because i actually had to engineer (laughs) i had to become an engineer because you know i had to set up mics on uh, on amplifiers and uh uh, one regret i have is that they mixed it at abbey road and i couldn't be there for it so i had to i was sitting on a stack of speakers behind my (laughs) in abbey road uh, virtually so uh but I think uh, we, we made, a, you know, me and Dave Mazzaro is the co-producer. This is our third record together. Uh, he's a great engineer, and um, we try to make a nice, we try to make it wide as far as the musical influence and, and not get stuck in a rut. And uh, uh, he's really good at staying on me for sounds. And, uh, um, you know, so far, so good. We're You know, it's doing well. Uh, it's doing well south of the border as well, as far as the Roots music uh, charts are concerned, and that's exciting.
0: Well, you know, you're talking about creating a landscape on this album, but um, I was reading in the notes that this is sort of the third album in a trilogy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we went for The Road. You know, I'll have to leave it behind (laughs) one of these times, but you know, Blue Highways, Miles to Go, and Open Road. Uh, We've kept on with The Road thing, just so people know it's the same producer in some ways. I wanted to um, like a trilogy. And uh, uh, I did want to kind of show some growth as I say so on this record we tried to you know bust into a bit more of uh, Americana they call it I guess you could call it Canadiana in my, in my case but uh, yeah I'm, I'm pleased with it you know and it's, it's nice when you finally get a record out you can kind of move on of course you can't move on you have to play the songs now for a couple of years but I can move on artistically and start working on whatever's coming next.
0: Well, it's really kind of the album that you just you you put on in your car and you crank it up.
2: I hope so. You know, you you really think about that as far as pacing. You know, I know people don't listen to songs you know in, in often in a row like they like they used to with a CD, but you know, I think it's important. I I actually kind of really fret over the song order.
0: Um, I. I... I have to ask you this question uh, in watching the videos. Um, is that your Mustang?
2: I wish. I wish it was my Mustang. Uh, no, it's a guy from here in North Vancouver. And uh, nice cat. Uh, he's, he's actually a federal federal prosecutor who owes that. But uh, it's a beautiful car. I, on the video, uh, the, the seat, I couldn't get the seat far enough forward for my, I'm pretty short, you know, I'm relatively short. And uh, it was pretty daunting not driving it into a ditch because I had to do all these all these turns on these little dirt roads, you know, and it was <laughs> and I the clutch was just a little far away from me. But I, I got it together.
0: And in the back of your mind, you're thinking this is a prosecutor's car. <laughs>
2: yeah. right. Yeah. A young lawyer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Now, I had the opportunity of, uh, of bringing you on a couple of times. Uh, the first time was way back at the Friendship Festival in Fort Erie, just after oh your, my God. your first Tragically album. Tragically Hip? Yep, Tragically Hip was the opening act. Yeah,
2: uh, wow.
0: <laughs> and then the second time was when you were doing uh, the big band stuff, the little big band, um, at Hamilton Place. Actually, uh, it was called Cops Coliseum at the time, but oh. for the Millennium Meltdown.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it was I remember that specifically because I uh I fell through the stage. There was a gap between the guitar stand and the stage and I went down like, my leg went through the
0: hole. Oh, my God.
2: I... And just ripped my leg up. And I had to get on and do the encore with this leg that was just shredded.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> I know. It was it was terrible.
0: Yeah. I think you commented that my hair was so high, it was a little bit on the Marge Simpson side. And, and you were right.
2: Oh, did I? How could I possibly say that with the hair like I had in the 80s? Shame <laughs> on me
0: no no I think you know the higher the hair the closer to God really
2: that's i've, I've heard this to be true
0: yeah it really came into effect that day <laughs> um but uh it, Colin I'm so thrilled that there's a possibility for live
2: music again yeah well I'm, I'm, we're going ahead like it's gonna happen and uh you know I think it will absolutely I really. Uh, you know how much more can, you know yeah i you know I'm just trying to think positive and it's a, it's a ways off it's a you know, month and a half, two months away. So
0: fingers crossed.
2: So, yeah, yeah, uh, f- yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Powers of B. Come it on, happen.
0: COVID. It's time to go away. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: uh, so the uh, the closest date to London is Kitchener Center in the Square that's on February 23rd. And of course, the next night, First Ontario Center, the Concert Hall in Hamilton on the 24th, all in support of your 20th album called Open Road. Um, and it is definitely people need to uh, to download this, buy this album in whatever format is best for them. And uh, how it, can people get tickets to the uh, the tour and uh, get a copy of Open Road off your website?
2: I do believe so, yeah. I mean, there's obviously Live Nation and Ticketmaster and all that stuff, but I think it's all there on my site, too.
0: And, that and would-
2: uh, we have Allie Venables, uh, Texas guitar player, uh young woman uh, opening up the shows across Canada.
0: It's going to be an incredible night. Fingers crossed that it's going to happen, although I don't know how you could play with your fingers crossed. That just doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, it'd be weird.
0: (laughs) It would be very weird. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Pleasure, thanks
0: Pleasure to speak to you as well Colin James, uh, in support of his 20th album It's called Open Road And a reminder that uh, he'll be playing at Kitchener Centre in the Square on the 23rd And at First Ontario Centre Concert Hall in Hamilton on the 24th All of the information and uh, tickets and albums and whatever you want Available on his website at Colin James Just Google it, you'll find it, no problem
1: The Bill Kelly Show Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHM.